to the first ever episode of the Product Hive podcast. My name is Dave Crow, and I'm one of the UX event organizers for Product Hive, and I'm really excited to be launching this podcast. We have events about twice a month where speakers put together great presentations, so we thought we'd try publishing them as podcasts and see if that allows more people to learn and get value from all the work that goes into the presentations. So this is our MVP, Minimum Viable Podcast, obviously. We'll be learning and improving things along the way, so be sure to share your feedback with us. This intro has been much longer than what they will normally be, so with that out of the way, let's jump into the first episode. On today's episode, we're bringing you the presentation from our August UX event. You'll hear from Andrew Branch. Andrew is the product design lead at Rev.com and is also one of the co-founders of the Front Product Conference here in Utah. In this talk, Andrew makes the case for why the future of work is remote and what the benefits of embracing remote work are. He goes over how to make it work for your product teams, as well as some tips for those who'd like to carve out a successful remote product career for themselves. Our thanks to Overstock for hosting this meetup at their headquarters in Midvale. And last but not least, join our community on Slack. There's always lots of great conversation happening, and it's a fantastic way to get to know other UX designers and product managers in Utah. You can get an invite to our Slack group and find more information about Product Hive at ProductHive.org. So with that, let's jump in and hear from Andy about the keys to remote collaboration happiness. All right. I want to see how far I can move out here without my shadow. Okay. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm Andrew, and it's customary. Is this working? Can you hear me? Testing. Okay, good. It is, it is customary for a speaker at the beginning of their talk to talk about their accolades, all their accreditations, anything that shows legitimacy. And uh, for this, I brought an illustration. <laughs> I, I don't think I need to say anything else. Um, so now that we know that you know all about me, um, let's talk about you guys. So I have a feeling there's probably, uh, everyone in here can be grouped into one of four groupings. The first group are hiring managers or employees who are at some level interested in remote work. Um, with, whether it be, you know, you've tried it in the past or you're interested in trying in the future. How many of you are, fall into that category of hiring managers or employers? Really high, really high. Like, not very many. That's really sad. Don't worry, I'll, I'll send them the recording of this. Um, two, hopeful remote employees. How many of you really wish you could be a remote worker? Raise them really high, okay. Three, we have remote practitioners who are already working remote, who want to improve their remote culture skills, or employers who have remote employees want to kind of improve the culture. How many have, oh good, there's quite a more than a, uh, and then finally we have this group. <laughs> Raise them high. That's, yeah, okay. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So there's a lot of reasons why people are nervous to hire uh, remote workers. Um, and one of those, the, one of the biggest is lack of oversight. <laughs> As an employer, you might not know, for instance, if your employee is just over at the pool hall play, uh, drinking 7-Up or something. And if the analogies are bad, it's because I'm using my, all my own photography, so <laughs> I had to kind of force some things. But yeah, and I can identify with that. Some of you might know Ben Peck. Um, him and I and Ben started Front, um, and uh, Ben recently went full-time. He moved to New York, which is so cool. He went there to support his wife, who's going to school, um, quit his job at Jane to do that, and now he's working full-time for Front, which for me and Wade was kind of a scary thing, right? Suddenly we're, one of our partners has to have a full-time employee, um, employee salary. And that's a nervous sort of feeling, so I can identify with employers. You don't have the oversight. You don't know what they're doing all day long. Are they making good use of your hard-earned dollars? <laughs> that's a, it's, so I can empathize with that, and I think that um, that's one of the biggest things, the reasons that employers are resistant. The other is differences in culture and time zone. Um, you know, it's, uh, it can be a hard thing to have people working in Europe, for instance, um, to try to find a time where everyone can get together. How many of you have dealt with time zone issues? Yes, 
I know we've all been there at some point in our career, and that's not necessarily an easy thing. I will come back to this and talk about some strategies maybe for helping with this, but it'll always certainly be a challenge that can never completely be solved. Um, so, and then one of the other big problems are, uh, is this general feeling in product these days, um, and a lot of it's because of this guy, who is amazing, by the way, Marty Kagan, but, <clears throat> but this, this is something he feels strongly about that I, I don't agree with him on, and I'll come back to this, but basically the idea that teams have to be co-located to be productive. This is a very common, don't, don't take a picture of this, what are you doing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is the bad example. I'm kidding. You, you can. You can take a picture. This is a common thing we hear. In fact, Jay Ficello, some of you might know, he works, he's a head of design at Assurian. Jay talks about how when, when uh, they brought Marty on site to get some training, he had a lot of resistance to his remote kind of team that he's working with, and that can be a tough thing. Um, but I'll come back to this. Um, I'm going to talk to you about some reasons why, first off, to employers, those hiring managers out there, why you should consider it, why um, having a remote culture is not a bad idea. Um, and one of the first thing I want to talk about, actually, this will introduce it well, it's uh, Envision, as you may or may not know, is fully distributed. Um, and Joseph uh, Tadaro is one of their lead designers, so I'll let you read that. I'm not going to read it to you. And I, I think that last phrase just sums it up really well. You already have a remote culture. And, and this doesn't even apply to big, big companies. How many of you spend more time talking on Slack to the person you know, on the other side of the room than you do physically talking to them? Um, I know that's how it used to be for me and um, a lot of the, my peers. We had our headphones on. They were right there, but I was still going to Slack to talk to them. Uh, we're already pretty, pr pretty well remote, most of us. and. Uh, a lot of times, the only time we actually interact with someone face-to-face -face is at a meeting, which, by the way, is like the easiest thing to do remotely. Like, of all the things we do, meetings are the ones that are, like, lend themselves best for remote. So why? Why don't we just go all the way? Um, so let's talk about hiring benefits, um, the benefits of having people who work remotely. The obvious benefit is, one big benefit is hiring from anywhere. Um, it, when you aren't limited, I, uh, Wade and I were talking about this before, there's the industry, it used to be that our problem was, you know, six, seven years ago, 10 years ago when we started what used to be uh, not product high, but what we had before that, IXDA and then whatever else. Um, the reason that Wade and I and a few others started that was because we were having a really hard time finding talented designers. It was really difficult to find anybody who knew anything about UX. We put out a job application and all we would get are graphic and visual designers, which there's nothing wrong with that necessarily unless you're trying to hire someone who knows user experience designer, uh, design and has been trained in that field. It was really difficult. So we started doing these meetups, try to get people out, try to train, try to to provide education, try to fill that vacuum. Um, and, and you're seeing that that's starting to be filled, um, that vacuum. There's a lot of awareness. We get a lot of folks here. I mean, how many of you have been doing uh, UX or who just getting into it who've been kind of in it for less, three years or less? Okay. So, um, I don't know, that's probably 35, 40% of people in here. Um, everyone else is more than that? That's everybody's four plus, raise your hands. Okay, well, that's about 50% then. So, um, yeah, it, it can be really hard now. The challenge we have is to find senior people, people with five plus years of experience in the industry. It's really hard to find, especially in Utah. And because of that, um, a, lot of a lot of people, uh, namely like I mentioned, Jay Ficello, has started reaching elsewhere to hire um, uh, senior folks who, and, and a lot of times, and this isn't always the case, but a lot of people who have a little bit more experience in the industry, who've been around a little bit longer, they're, they're, they've established roots usually, not always, but usually. They have connections to a certain geographic location, and it, and it can become challenging to try to get those people to move, even if your job is awesome, and, um, but because they're, they're happy where they are. 
and there are plenty of people like this, and being able to attract that talent and say, hey, you're fine to be in that geographic location. In fact, you can work remotely so you have more time to be with those that you love, and you can be a senior member of our team and lead, lead this team. Um, that, that can be a way to overcome that challenge. Um, and that goes into being able to hire talent you couldn't attract in any other way. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is uh, my good friend Colby. He's in the audience. Um, you can he'll sign autographs after. This was a, a, a shot I took of Colby, um, a glamour shot. But I bring up Colby because he's an example of this. Colby was at a really good job. I'm not going to say the name of the company. I don't want to embarrass anybody. He had a good job. He wasn't looking for a new job. He was happy. He was healthy. Everything was good. But I needed somebody of. Uh, of Colby's ability <laughs> at, where I work at rev.com and so um, we came to Colby and said hey why don't you come work for us um, you know San Francisco startup really cool opportunity San Francisco salary and you can work from anywhere and we didn't have too much trouble convincing Colby to come aboard and and that is the power of having a remote culture um, basically, all of you companies that only do co-located, um, you're in trouble if, I'm at, if I want one of your employees. In, in fact, I'm, I'm um, probably your worst nightmare. Uh, and, and that is, uh, that, but you want to be that person. You want to be the one who can hire anybody from anywhere because it is such a draw. All right. Performance benefits. So let's talk about... Um, why, wh what advantages you might um, have from, from actually being, why it actually can be a good thing to have a remote team, that, that, that there are advantages to it. And we'll come back to this quote again by Marty Kagan, because there's two things I want to identify here. The first is that Marty in his book, and this comes from his book Inspired. How many of you read Inspired? Most PMs in the audience, I hope, have done that. It's a sem seminal volume. It's amazing. Uh, this is the only line in the whole book I disagree with. <laughs> uh, and, and Marty's amazing, but, but I don't agree with two things here. And one is that outperform, substantially outperform a dis dis dispersed team. Here's why I don't agree with that. And the, the one is that there was actually a study done. And, and see, Marty's not citing a study at all. He's just going off of his personal experience. And I'm sure he's been at companies where it didn't work very well. But <laughs> Nicholas Bloom and his team over at uh, Stanford actually did a research study. They went to China, they went to their biggest um, travel agency, CTAN, CTEC something, and they, uh, they pulled a big group and they said, we're going to have all of you people work remotely, and the rest of you guys were split, basically split them in half, you're going to stay working co-located, we're going to see the difference after six months. Um, they found a 13% improvement on the ones that worked co-located, I mean, sorry, remote, which is like an extra day of work that in a week. That's not an insignificant number. Why is that? Why are these people outperforming people in the office when they're not in the office? And um, they gave two re several reasons. One of those is, and I hear this a lot, I'll hear people say, well, I could never work remotely because I'm I'd be too distracted at home. There's too many distractions. Like, that's such bull crap. That's not true. It's at work where you're distracted. Somebody's having a birthday, right? Uh, somebody comes in late and, hey, you never believe what happened on the roads. Constantly, I was interrupted. In fact, I go into the office in San Francisco, you know, once every few months just to remind my boss that I'm alive. And when I'm there, like, I can't get anything done. I'm like, please get me back to silent, quiet St. George. I have five kids, by the way, and they're less distracting than my coworkers. <laughs> so I don't buy that. And you know, there's other reasons also. You, you gain time, like uh, not traveling, not being in a car, going back and forth to work. When I get up and I'm ready to work, I can start working. I don't have to get in a car and drive a half hour. So you see performance benefits there as well. Um, but a lot of skeptics will probably say, but product teams are different, right? We're, talking, we're not talking about just having butts in seats doing, churning on problems on a computer. We're talking about complex problems that a group of, a product team can only solve, right? Only a, only a really smart product manager who gets, who has the insights um, that, that can be gained by all their skill set and having a really good creative designer at their side uh, solving complex problems. Only they can really um, do what we need to at our company. And it's really hard to do that in a remote environment. It's not the same as, as just churning out work. Um, yeah, to a degree. On the other hand, 
And this is the second part. Um, this is Stephen Olmsted. He's really, really little. He's right there. And he works at Envision also. Um, great guy. Uh, he, uh, he tweeted this. And he said, he was talking to his recruiter, Danny Roberts. And he had his iPhone. And he had Danny there. And, 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 he, and, and uh, Stephen was walking around in his living room. And he had, um, he had uh, their Envision app up. And they were able to make all their plans. He had all the context he needed. He had all the visual cues because he's talking face to face with his with his coworker. And he was in his living room. And um, Danny Roberts was in Virginia. And and that's the power of technology these days. And that can happen with a, a little quick call. I don't have to walk, you know, across campus up two floors to meet with Danny Roberts. I can just get on my phone. And and uh, and that's the other thing I would say. If we're saying that if the skeptics are saying that product people can't do remote collaboration because they, it's not butts and seats, right? It's churning on, on problems. It's actually collaboration. Well, who better equipped than these people to find ways to overcome the, the remote distance? The, uh, we are the people of all people who should be able to do that and, and find creative solutions to those things and not just be okay with the status quo. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, we're not that type of people. We're going to find solutions. Um, additionally, Marty says all things being equal, but all things are not equal. They're totally not equal because the remote people have an advantage in that they are retained. And that's the second part of this study. Res resignations of the company that the Stanford study did saw that people, 50% uh, improvement, 50% um, of people stayed at the company more than the other group. Isn't that interesting? And I've seen that too. So when I started at Rev, um, Five, almost five years ago, actually four years ago, I don't want to exaggerate, four years ago, I had, uh, there were probably six engineers at the time, and um, those engineers, uh, all but one, are still there. And, um, and those guys, so we've all been together for four years, we have a rapport, we know how to work together remotely, it's no problem. We don't have any issue communicating, we, we get each other, we know each other very well. Because we're at the company so long, we don't have that transition that, you know, that a lot of startups do. A lot of you probably come from companies where people are in and out, it's that revolving door culture. You don't have that where, where you have really strong remote um, collaboration happening and where you've got that that culture people are motivated to stay they love it and I feel the same way when people ask me how long are you gonna be at Rev I'm like how long are they gonna be in business because I don't want to ever leave um, it's amazing so retention benefits are there why are we not I don't know why this isn't working we're gonna have to transition to the arrow key um, Yes, and that's the other thing. So how painful is it, Wade? I'm going to pick on you. How painful is it when someone leaves and you have to hire <laughs> for that new position? I know you guys are always hiring at Workfront, constantly. And so that's what, how, how much of your job, how much of your day is spent just dealing with hiring, would you say? It's my number one job. Number one job. And your VP of UX. UX. Number one job is hiring. Wouldn't that be better if you had 50% less of that? <laughs> I'm trying to convince him more than anyone because he doesn't buy in the remote thing. <laughs> but, uh, um, but managers benefit because they can spend less of their time painfully advertising, recruiting, training, and promoting. So for what it's worth. The other, the other reason why, and this is my attempt to persuade you as employees. Yeah, someone gets it. <laughs> let's, let's look at the statistics because this is depressing. So where are you? One way, how long do you travel to work? Let's, let's raise hands. 15 minutes. How many people travel, meaning both way, I guess, total in a day, 15 minutes? OK, 26 minutes, 45 minutes. OK, more, so most of you are there so far, 60 minutes. Ouch, guys. Oh, 90 minutes? Oh, good. What's yours? 10 minutes. Oh, 10 minutes. That's because it wouldn't be as powerful if we had your number up there, right? <laughs> well, here's me, was me, before I moved jobs. I was at 45 total. 15.6 days a year. That's depressing. What else could I be doing? Think of all the Pokemon Go I could have been playing during that time. It's, I mean, I don't, we don't need to, you get it. The other thing is, like, Utah air sucks. You guys, that's one reason I moved. I hate Utah's air. 
North Utah. I'm down in St. George now, by the way. I think you picked up on that. Um, and I love the clear skies that I don't have to deal with the smog up here. And, and you guys, you know, when you're commuting and the companies that, that are kind of encouraging that, there's no reason for it. There really isn't. And it's, it really is the future that people are just going to be able to work from home. Another thing is um, a lot of employees are worried. I already mentioned one thing they're worried about. One thing they're worried about is like, uh, will I be distracted? And um, yeah, you might be at first, but I, I think that you'll find if you do it that, that, that that's not an issue. The other thing though, and this is more valid, I guess, that, that, that a lot of people say, well, I, I like to, I like to, I'm a face-to-face -face person, right? I need interaction, I need social. And that's valid, that's completely valid. This is Mike Davidson. Mike used to be the VP of Twitter. He's been out to speak at Front, good guy. Um, some of you might know if you follow his blog, but he just started at Envision. And um, he wrote a blog post that I thought was super interesting because he said, um, he was really hesitant, he was totally honest about it. He said, I'm a face-to-face -face person and I'm really, I'm kind of worried about this remote thing. But this is, he said, everyone he talked to at Envision, of course they're trying to persuade, to, you know, convince him to come, but I, I agree with this too. It sounds like it's going to be awkward, but after a couple months, you never want to work any other way again. And that's, that's something that I've found, that's the, mostly what I've seen. And there are exceptions to that. There are the occasional person that doesn't work for. Uh, I talked to Stephen Olmsted again at Envision. He said that they've only had two that he's worked with where it didn't work out, where they, they just, the remote thing wasn't there wasn't right for them. And in both cases, um, they were people who didn't have established social kind of ties, um, meaning they didn't have an immediate family. Or they didn't, oh, that's really pixelated. This is my family, guys. Um, or they didn't have like, um, you know, peers or, or somebody to, to hang out with or be with. And when they, where they relied on employees for their family or I guess their social. And there's plenty of people in that case. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But it could be hard in those cases where if your social is revolved around work, that can be a little bit more difficult because you can be isolated. We're, humans are herd animals, right? We do better when we're around people. Um, so it's important to have that. Um, Along with that though, and this is my big thing. This is, for me, this is the issue. I used to work at an agency. How many of you work at an agency or have worked at design agencies? Okay, a few. Um, those of you who haven't, let me tell you about an agency. And, and <laughs> yeah, sorry, inside thing. Um, it, it, it will suck up every ounce, every available minute you have in a day, if it can. And that's not because they're evil. No, you know, it's not like they're out to get you. It's just that's the nature of agency work. That every minute you can spare, they'll take. They'll take it. It'll just suck it like an amoeba. And I was at uh, Rain. I was uh, ten years ago down in American Fork. Great, great digital agency. I loved it, but it was time-consuming. Right? I was. I was working all the time and we had, at that point, we just had two little ones at home and I just missed them so much because I was, I was never seeing them and it was sad to me. And I just said, you know, this enough is enough. I need to find a way to, to kind of be around them. But the thing occurred to me, because we have this amazing remote technology, there is no reason why we can't work by the people we care and love. There's no reason why. And who, who, who uh, spreading the lie that we, have to, that we have to spend most of our life with people we don't care about? They're strangers in some cases, or you know, maybe they're friends, coworkers, but you didn't choose them. They didn't choose you. Why, are we, why do we hang out together when there are other people that I like a lot more that are back in my home? And I could be, and I'm not saying they're my coworkers, I'm not gonna spend all day with them, but I'd rather be near them physically than than you guys. I mean, you're wonderful, but they're more wonderful. <laughs> so I just don't buy that. I, I think it's, it's, it's one of the lies that we're told. And we need to fight a back, guys. The other thing is our pets, right? <laughs> you may not have a family, but you've got, I know you've got a fur baby. And, <laughs> and, and it needs you. It needs your love. <laughs> and I already mentioned this, but it best with people who have established social Settings. But guys, let's fight back, right? Let's, let's, let's revolt against our employers who say that this isn't going to work. If all of us kind of do that together, they're just going to have to do it, right? They're going to have to adopt remote, remote practices. So let's just make a bigger stink about it. Okay, um, so if you want to have, now we'll get into the tips. In the, okay, we're making good time. The rest of the time I'm going to talk to you about how 
you do it well. How to make sure that it doesn't suck and that, that you know you convince your manager we should do this remote thing and then you blow it and it falls apart. You have to have some things. I, I'm not gonna lie to you and say it's gonna work for everyone all the time. The first thing you need to have is it has to start at the top and a lot of management, uh, managers, employers don't get this. They think okay I'm just gonna see how it goes. We're gonna hire some remote people and then they've got to prove it to me, right? It's up to them and that's not how it works. We've got to be able to, as employers, we've got to have certain things as managers and the first thing we've got to have is um, we've got to have really good social intelligence. There's a really good book out on social intelligence. I don't remember the author but um, pick it up if that's something that's interesting to you and what that means is I mean some managers have this kind of Steve Jobs assertive like you will do this and now type attitude. Communication isn't their thing, right? Um, and if that's you, you know, co-locate. Co don't hire remote employees because it won't work. Um, and the reason why is because there's such subtleties that you miss when you're not face to face in chat and it's easier to be offended. It's, it's, it's harder to um, work on communication problems. It is, that's, there's no way around it, it just is. So the people who do best with it are people who can talk, they can communicate about communication, very meta. If, you can, if you're a person that can do that, um, if you are able to say, hey, I noticed in our in our conversation, conversation didn't go well. And I wanted to know why. What, what assumptions am I missing? How are you feeling about this? If you can do that as a manager, then you're gonna be, you're gonna be okay. And if you have kindness and humility and empathy, um, then it's gonna work for you. But if you can't do that, like, it may not work. Um, so the same thing goes to employee, but it's gotta start at the manager. It also, you have to be good at communication and communicate often. I used to work in the agency setting, I used to work with uh, a very assertive uh, woman, um, a, a VP of marketing at a company. She was amazing at getting things done. I would ask her, I would draft these emails with five questions. She would only respond to my first one, no matter what I did. No matter how I phrased it, she only responded to the first sentence that she read. <laughs> and it was so hard for me because we weren't together in the same location. She was somewhere else. And I didn't know, I had to just kind of fill in the blanks and I was new in the career and it was really hard on my tender soul. Um, so you need to, as a manager, you can't do that, right? You've got to be able to over communicate. Um, and that's hard, you know, some managers don't have, feel like they don't have time. On the other hand, you're going to save time because you don't have to hire as much, but yeah. Um, okay, it only works if the whole team adopts the, the remote culture. That doesn't mean that everyone has to be remote. That is not what it means. It means that if you have one person on your team who's remote, then the whole team needs to adopt remote culture. What that means is several things. The first thing it means is um, uh, uh, important decisions. The, the decisions that, that make, that, that get carried on that into perpetuity that, that we say, okay, this is where we're drawing the line, this is what we're doing. You cannot make those decisions in the hallway or at the, you know, in the kitchen. Those decisions have to be made on remote friendly technology. Um, otherwise, what happens is, and, and my, the CEO of Rev where I work, um, when he hired me, he was hiring me to be fully remote. He talked a lot about remote, that first interview, and it really stuck with me, but he used an analogy. He said, when you work remote, um, it feels like you're on a road trip in the trunk at a lot of companies. And uh, I can totally identify that. You don't get the joke that everyone's shared around, the, you know, the inside jokes, the little things that happen. It can be difficult um, if you're the only one that's remote. So to assuage that, you've got to adapt, um, uh, adopt those kind of remote culture for everyone. So that, that's the first thing though. The important decisions have to be made on um, the remote technology, Slack or Zoom or whatever you're using. Um, the second is that everybody in that group who is, it's a remote team, they all have to be using the same chat mechanism. And at bigger companies, this is a challenge, right? Because you might have, the marketing team might be on Microsoft Teams, whereas the design team, of course, is on Slack, you know? Um, but you have these differences in communication method. And, and really, unless you're going to be able to move to the same, then it, it doesn't work very well. In early days of Rain, we had, or Rev, we had that problem where I was, uh, some people were doing Slack and some people were doing, or sorry, some people were doing Skype and some were doing Google Hangouts. And that was even a pain. So we had to formalize and say, no, this is the formal, we're gonna use this um, for a communication. Um, what else? John Maeda, he works at, uh, what's it called? Uh, I have a mental block, help me. Automatic 
Automatic, thank you. I, you should remember that because Matt has two T's. Automatic, John Maeda's had a design there. They're fully distributed, also fully remote. Um, and this is what he said about that. When you have a part of the workforce remote and a part of the workforce non-remote, it creates two classes and the remote folks can easily become a subclass. But he also says, I can imagine cases where it could be vice versa in the near future. I, mean, I, I could see that also, but so just something to keep in mind. The other thing you need to do is when you adopt those communication methods, you've got to mirror what happens in real life as much as possible. So for example, this is our photography channel on Rev. Um, I'm a photographer. I don't know if I told you that. I'm really, really humble about it. But uh, we, uh, I like to be on here because this gives me a chance to mix it up with like my buddy Grayson. He's in Austin. I've, I've only met him in person once, but we have very good rapport with each other because we're both super into photography. And so what that does is you have one for pets. You have, I know we have one for, for you know, just the ladies of the company. Um, you've got different groups and that's awesome because it does these cross sectional um, groups um, and, and strengthens the organization. And, and, and I, I'm sure you guys are already doing this, right? How many people already have this and you're not even a remote company, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of you are. So again, you're already halfway there. Just go, just go the rest of the way. Give in. IRLs, these are, Envision does these. That just means getting together in person. That's very important. So we get together twice a year at Rev. Most fully remote companies will do this also. Uh, as a whole company, we get together twice a year. But then in addition to that, our teams will get together. So our design team gets together. And then, so yeah, you have your cohort, right? That gets together. But then you also have your journey teams, right? Your product manager, your engineer, and your um, designer all get together and they do their own. You have all of these different cross uh, connection type activities. And the point of these, by the way, and this is interesting. My boss said that when we did our kind of design offsite, we just did ours in St. George, did some hiking and some um, off-roading. It was fun. Um, he said, uh, when you do those, the point is not to get work done necessarily. It's not to make important decisions. It's to grow your interpersonal like relationships and to have fun together. Because there's something that's that's pretty important um, about that. Um, tools, the tools of the trade. Um, our, uh, we talked about Slack already. That's probably the best. And the reason Slack is so powerful is because you can start to develop a, a library of emojis. It, it might sound silly, but emojis are actually, I'm saying this in all serious, they're very important because that is how we mimic what happens in reality with the nonverbal cues. Think about it 10 years ago when we didn't have those bad boys and we'd, we'd say something and someone would take it the wrong way because we didn't have, you know, winky face to help us out. Um, so Slack is awesome. Zoom is great. That's my favorite uh, video conferencing technology. Uh, there are others, BlueJeans and Hangouts and whatnot, but Zoom has been for us the most stable um, and the most flexible. Other, other tools, uh, this is called the OWL. I should have showed you a picture. It's this little webcam and it's a beautiful thing. So the people in San Francisco or Austin who are kind of off on site will use these. They'll stick them in the middle of the room and it will just track whoever's speaking, kind of 24 style. So these are all, the, you know, you get the whole panoramic and then if she's talking, it, it's on her and it's so cool. It makes you feel like you're more a part of things. Um, another remote tool, and this is specific for research. I'm a big proponent of remote research also, which is a whole nother talk that, that I would be happy to give to you someday. Um, but Validately is, is my, it's mine, it, my thing, I love it. Um, and that's what I, I'm in Validately all the time for remote research. I'm not gonna go into why and hows, but it's beautiful. Um, and then my own, the dog food, right? Rev, we do transcription. I transcribe everything. Like if we're gonna have a meeting, I transcribe it. If I'm doing remote research, I transcribe it. And the reason why is because I want all that, all that, those good, good notes to be able to just search so easy later. I just love using it for anything. Um, other tips, uh, don't be like this guy on the webcam. Don't be doing it. This is, this is me in my bed. Um, don't do your video in a non-professional way. If you want to convince your manager that remote is cool and it works, try to be a bit more professional. Try to be like this guy. <laughs> and you can't see very well, but I've got like things I love, motorcycle helmets, lenses and things. And, and I do that so that people will ask me about myself because I like to talk about myself. And, uh, <laughs> but, no, but really it is important um, that people get a glimpse into who, what makes you you, right? And I, I asked Jay Ficello for a screenshot. His is, makes mine look like 
it, like amateur hour. You, if you do a remote call with Jay Ficello sometime, he's got like an American flag, he's got a bookshelf, and he stands up, he's got the flag, I mean, he's like, he looks like, I was about to say the president, but or, I'm not gonna say that. Uh, Another thing that can help is um, Envision, uh, Envision does this. They have the diverge-converge model. And this, coming back to the, what we talked about with um, time zones, that's a big challenge, the time zone thing. And this is how Envision overcomes it. And Stephen Olmsted, he, to he told me, this is a quote, he said, it's not, a, it's not a problem. Time zones are not a problem. And the reason why, the, re way, the way they overcome that is they have, so everyone in, in the US, I guess, their, uh, their diverge time is in the morning, right? That means that they don't have their meetings. Everybody's doing their deep work then. They're concentrated, their focus time is kind of those morning hours. And then afternoon, the latter half of the day, that's when they converge so that they can connect with folks on the other side. Um, and then those people have the opposite, right? Am I getting that right? I don't know, but you get the point. You, ha you have diverge and converge time and it's separate for depending on where you are in the world. That's how they overcome that. And I think it's an interesting model and an interesting approach. Um, this is the Rev team. I took this photo. I'm also in this photo because I photoshopped myself in. That's me right there. <laughs> this was just last month. But I have some tips on hiring remote workers now for you. Um, this can be a challenge. Uh, one thing, this came from my CEO. He said one tip he had is to recruit from the open source community because these folks, uh, a lot of them have been working remotely already, right? Because uh, that they're distributed. And so these people know how to work remotely, so that's a great place to recruit from. Another is don't be afraid to hire the younger generation. Now, I've talked to people who say, well, I'm not gonna do this for junior. They, like more people like straight out of college, they're, they've gotta be in the office to get that office culture, and I don't know that I can trust them. You guys, it's the opposite is true. The opposite is true. The younger generation gets it more. How many of you are over 30? So everyone like 35ish, who's 35ish? So you guys with me, we don't we didn't raise we weren't raised on texting, but the younger generation gets it. They've overcome complex relationship problems via text. How many of you older people have done that, right? <laughs> That's why they are specifically good at this. It's perfect. They they've got it. You hire them and they're going to be good to go. Very little training. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Um, the other thing, and this is advice again, keep talking about Stephen Olmsted because Envision does it really well. Um, this advice from him, he said, are they just wanting to work remotely or are they passionate about working for my company? So Envision has a process where they make sure, hey, yeah, this guy, this girl really cares about our product. It's not just because they want to work remotely. So as an employer, if, I, if that's you, make sure you really care about the product that you're hiring onto. It's not just about the remote culture, um, but as an employer, make sure that that's the case as well. Um, tips on hiring. Hiring remote workers, I already kind of talked about. Um, yeah, okay, so tip on being a remote worker. The number one thing I have to tell you is that never let remote be the reason for anything failing. If that's the reason, then your employer will be like, ah, remote's not working. So never let that be the reason, okay? So that means for me, and I know I just talked, I'm gonna contradict what I just said. Envision is a little different, right? Because everybody's distributed, but if you're at a partially distributed company, like I am actually, Rev's not fully distributed, um, I, I, my, I don't get the benefit of saying that I only have, I, I'm at my diversion time, don't bother me. I don't, I don't do that. If someone wants to have, if somebody has a question, I answer them immediately. I want to make sure they have what they need and I am never, ever, ever the bottleneck. And I take sacrifice there for my own productivity, but what I gain from that is that they know that, that I'm someone they can, they can count on. Um, and so that's important. I feel like that's, you have to kind of fill that out, but that's just an example. Um, don't be the bottleneck, don't, don't make remote be the problem. On the other hand, <laughs> kind of contradict myself, uh, some people need to give themselves limits. Um, if you're an efficiency freak, if you're a workaholic, working from home is like an efficiency gold mine, right? Because you can efficientize, that's not a word, everything though, right? Every moment of your day. And the problem with that is that you can totally burn yourself out. You can give too much to a company and to an entity that doesn't deserve that much of you. Like you have a life, you deserve to live. And so there is, you've got to be able to establish limits. And that's kind of what Steven suggested um, that some people need help with. As a manager, you've got to help people have those, those limits. Um, 
I've been in a lot of <laughs> meetings where we've let people go, and they always start out with this question, what do they even do here? Your boss should never ask that question, right? You, should, you need to make sure they understand what you're doing, that you have credit for what you're doing at work. Because again, if not, um, it's very easy to, to be in the shadows as a remote worker. Um, okay, so if you're worried about it, I would say pilot it, try it out at your company or, or ask somebody to try it out. Say, let's, let's take some time. But if you do, remember the principles, just in a review. If you're gonna do it, do it right. You gotta make sure that the right managers are in charge. They have good social intelligence. Um, and that everyone on the team adopts the remote culture. Um, you gotta make sure everyone has the same collaboration tools and that all important decisions are made on a remote-friendly platform. And if you can do those things, you'll probably be able to prove the, the, a case for it at your company. So if you want more information, you can take a shot, uh, click of this, a picture. Um, this is a great, I can also post this in Slack after, but um, Trello did a, a remote work ultimate guide, which is incredible, it's so good, it's really long, it's like a book. And then Open Buffer, they have a blog, um, where they, Buffer is also a company that's dis fully distributed, where they share all their tips and tricks, so those are two excellent resources for further reading. Additionally, um, Front is a great, we're actually just rolling out custom on-site trainings. If you and your company need help, you want to hire me to come and tell you how to do remote I'd be happy to do that but also you know come to our workshops come to our conference you know you guys know about front it's that's it that's that's my talk this is where you clap for me <laughs> we do questions questions yeah we'll do a quick Q&A okay. uh, yeah, we'll Q &A. I should have so we, does anybody have any questions? We can do it in a couple minutes of the Q&A here real quick about remote work, about anything Andrew said. Yeah. In the back. In the back, yeah. Uh, yes, so what's the anatomy of the person who's working remote, what's the anatomy in the house? Because I hate when my employees are on the bed, right? It's like, like you said, like the right thing, like you need a separate room where you can close the door and have privacy or is it on the anatomy of the home oh you need yeah that's a great question maybe I just thought that went without saying but you do have to have space right it can't just be especially if you've got um, little ones in the home um, like I said we've got I've got a troop at my place so I've got to have a containment area for myself to be <laughs> but it's nice right because then you can just at lunchtime I can come out and be with the people I care most about and not people I, that are just okay <laughs> but does that answer your question I mean like I Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, like Stephen Olmstead, again, I keep talking about him. He's got a trailer out back that he, that he sits in um, in Arizona. So, yeah, you've got to make a place, make a, make a way to do that. Um, but, yeah, and, and have a lock on it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but I think the key, that's harder if not everyone is on board with it, right? Meaning if your engineering team is all co-located and they have this culture of it, you, you can't go in saying, oh, you guys have to adopt my workflow. That's a little harder. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it can work very well if they can, but, but as a PM, people have to adopt it cross-functionally. Cross they have to. Like, if they don't, you won't be successful. Um, but that can happen, that doesn't happen to happen, like, across the whole company. It just means that my product team, my journey team, has to be remote. And then I think it can work. Um, uh, it, the tricky part will be when you have to interface with um, sales or, but that's already, I mean, you've already got so much remote happening there anyway. Cross, uh, cross uh, you know, whatever, uh, department. That, that I think it's doable. Um, at, at Rev, we mostly, most of our PMs are co-located right now. But like I said, so a company is where everyone is remote, it works great because everyone adopts the practice. But yeah, so. I mean, to kind of build off that last question, our, our culture is, as a PM, I, I am in the office, um, but all of our engineering team is remote. And I, I struggle with the collaboration aspect of it, of being able to have that organic conversation and kind of the, the 
the ingenuity and, and some of the innovations that, that are created by I've seen that team be co-located with the team of the UX. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I wanted to bring up. So one thing that we've done, we just started doing this in our small design team um, with the PMs is we have what, what I'm calling design debt sprints. And for design debt sprints, that's a great opportunity to get everyone in the same room. And, um, and it, this is just really a vehicle to, to get that, that creative in-person kind of thing. So what we'll do is we'll all get together at the same location. So we'll go to San Francisco and we'll, and we'll say, you know, for two days, we're going to, all we're going to do, we're going to put everything else aside. All we're going to do is say, uh, let's look at this, this, this problem space, this feature, and let's just look at everything we can improve for visual polish. Every single thing we can find, every font that's off, every uh, jarring transition, and improve all that. Now, the reason we do that again in person is because that's an opportunity for us to have that face-to-face -face problem solving. And we do that also, sometimes we do that with creative brainstorms. So I think it's just an important thing to, to mix it up, right? To have those times of, of collaboration that, are, that can be in person, but they don't have to happen all the time. Um, and then aside from that, like every day, I don't know, I mean, I just think that you've got to apply your same problem-solving skills as a, as a, a, to your own process. Like Cap Watkins talks about that. Take the design process and apply it to itself, to your workflow, to your company. And, and a lot of people don't do that, which just really surprises me. Why aren't you taking what you've learned about good process and saying, how do we look at our own process through that meta lens? Um, and, and you need the company to do that together. So I would say, get the group together. Say, here, well, here's the design pattern, or here's the, the you know, the design, uh, you know, whatever, our principles of good design, and we're going to apply that right back to this problem. Here's the problem I have. Let's, let's, let's do that. That's the best suggestion I would have. Yeah. Um, well, I think that those are the big ones. I'm trying to remember if there are any, I'm sure there are other tools that we use that I don't, oh, well, one example is that on the cultural side is we just started doing, like, um, I, there's two, there's a product that 37 Signals does, uh, I think, isn't it those, uh, or I might be getting that mixed up with Happy Cog, but one of those groups does a, does a, a, a Friday, like, um, group thing to where you have to answer a question and everyone gets the answer and it's like everyone kind of uh, grows. So we did that for a while at Rev until we got too big for that, but that's kind of a cultural specific thing. Um, you know, what makes you tick? We'd answer kind of deep, ask, ask kind of deep questions and you get to know people at a deeper level. That was a tool we used to, to kind of get the, the touchy-feely stuff. But now we're doing a newsletter. So as an example, I showed you my five beautiful kids. Two of those are adopted recently. We fostered. And so they asked me to do this big article in their newsletter about that process and about fostering and how I felt about that. And I was like, that's awesome. Thank you. I'd love to give the opportunity to share something that I feel strongly about that's outside of the purview of work. Um, and that was good. I got a lot of people reaching out directly and saying, hey, thanks for sharing that. It was a really cool experience. meant a lot to read that. And that's just different than what you normally get at work. So I'm glad to see that we're starting to roll out more of that stuff also. Um, I can't really think of any other tools. I mean, it's Slack and Zoom are like, and, and when we're in Slack, if something starts, like if we realize that our conversation is more than a few lines, it goes to Zoom immediately. Like we get that solved. That's the other thing. Like you cannot let things, like asynchronous communication, if, if you're not careful, it'll take weeks to get simple things done. And you can't do that. You've got to be all over tasks, all over problems. And everyone has to have that same, like, let's attack it. Let's get this solved. Let's get on a Zoom. Let's get this solved. Let's take care of it. Let's move to the next thing. And everyone has to have that attitude. If somebody's like back in the, like, OK, I'll log that away. And then tomorrow I'll respond. The next day someone else responds. That doesn't work. So we do use Basecamp, though, for a lot of our asynchronous design communication. So Basecamp works great. There's a lot of tools, like Envision has a lot of communication tools. I don't like that personally as much uh, for communication and getting everyone kind of uh, together on the same page because you got a dot, right? And somebody over here saying something, someone's over here, not everyone's on the same page. You're not getting a lot of, uh, what's the word, where everyone's kind of cohesively agreeing on things. So I like Basecamp for that um, because we can post the design, we can iterate, and everyone sees what's happening. So. The, the, the key is to move quickly with it, though. can't really think of any other critical tools that we use. Colby, can you think of any other that I'm forgetting? 
Whiteboard? Yeah, so there are a lot of sketching tools out there. I like sketching right in Zoom, though. So Zoom has the highlighting thing, and that's always worked great for me. I just put the mock-up up there, and we all just sketch it up. There's no reason why you have to move to anything else. There are a lot of other tools, though. Freehand is Envision's, I guess, collaboration tool. I haven't used it, but uh, some people do. Okay, any other questions? Yeah. I haven't had to do it, so I don't uh, have them other than like make them watch this <laughs> talk. <laughs> I don't know. Trello's guide is awesome. Trello's um, one, or it's not a one page, it's that, that guide I had at that last. If you reach out to me, I'll give it to you, but it's, it's great, I think. But uh, I think it's also like, um, uh, that's what Jay did. He went to Assyrian, like he went, I don't remember where their headquarters are, but if, if some of you know him, he moved there. And then he said, you know, give me a chance to try this out. I want to move back to Utah and I'm going to hire uh, all remote and let's just see how it goes. And he just proved that it worked and they trusted him and it, it's been working good for him. So I think he, he's a good one to talk to, by the way, but that's all I got, sorry. Yeah. Have you used any kind of gamification to get people motivated and, you know? Yeah, I mean, the engineers do it more than, than we do in the design team. But, um, like, the bug hunts and whatnot and the prizes they award and things like that. Um, no, not a whole lot, but that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it. Yeah. yeah. Earlier you mentioned uh, working for a San Francisco company, San Francisco Salary. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, I, I, employers, of course, going to want to take advantage of the fact that you don't you don't have the same cost of living, um, and so I guess I maybe as a little more flippant. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, not every different employer. They're all every. It's all over the place. Honestly, <laughs> every employer has a different theory when it comes to how much to pay. Even if, even if you take out that, the differences in remote or versus in person. However, I will say that um, uh, in general, uh, San Francisco is used to paying a lot higher salaries. So if you come on the upper end of the Utah salary, you may be, be, be able to get it. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything else? Okay. All right. Thanks, All right. guys. Big thanks to Andrew for presenting, and again to Overstock for hosting the event. If you learned some things from Andrew's talk, be sure to share it with your team. You could also tweet about it and mention us at product underscore hive. Sharing these episodes is a great way to support all the work that goes into Product Hive. Be sure to check out all our upcoming events. You can find them by searching for Product Hive on meetup.com. And while you're there, go ahead and join the group so you always get the latest updates. We also have a YouTube channel where you can find videos of all the past talks. And thanks for listening. We'll be back in your feed soon, and hopefully we'll see you at one of our next events.